When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've got lost in my work. And I think too many times in, in today's day and age of college football, professional football, everybody's so busy trying to get ahead, trying to get that promotion, trying to get that next job, that they don't do the job that they currently have to the best of their abilities. I never wanted to be a college coach. I was fine just being a high school coach. I was fine just being an offensive line coach in, in high school, but I was determined that I was going to try to be the best damn offensive line high school offensive line coach I could be, and that's it. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on the idea of coaching. Is teaching, we'll talk about how that works into drills, your coaching cues, how you give feedback, and really every aspect of coaching. And joining me to discuss that is the offensive line coach at Miami, Alex Mirabal. Coach, it's great to have you here today. You know what, Keith? It's a pleasure and an honor to be on the podcast here with you because of the fact that you guys continue to impact and influence the game of football and continue to help us as coaches pay it forward. So it's an honor to be on here with you this morning. Coach, you started out as a volunteer assistant at your alma mater, Columbus High School in Miami. And looking back at that time, what was it that drove you to be a coach? What was your why back at the beginning? You know what? It was the impact that my high school coaches had on me. Head coach Dennis Lavelle and offensive line coach Fred Foyo, obviously they impacted my life and they gave my life direction and a purpose at the time when you're young. So I always felt that, heck, I, w- I would love to be able to do something for a living where I can impact other people's lives. And that became more important to me. Finding something to do that impacted lives became something more important to me than money or any kind of status. And that's kind of what drove me to become a high school coach. As you've evolved and developed as a coach and a teacher, is that still the why or has that evolved with you as well? No, you know what? It's still the why. The why is still to impact other people's lives. It's not to lead a successful life, but to lead a significant life. And to me, a significant life is defined by how do you impact the lives of others? So I do what I do not to win championships. I do what I do not to win rings. I do what I do in order to help a young man, in this case, right, young men attain their goals, you know, attain their goals and see them fulfill their potential. So that's really continues to be my purpose on a daily basis. And, and I truly, Keith, I truly love teaching. I love the game of football, but I love teaching more than I do the game of football. People say, hey, you know what, I, I wouldn't be able to live without the game of football. I can because I could still teach. You know, I, I was an American history and a U.S. government teacher, and, and I loved it, and I continue to love just the teaching part of it. Well, all of that and becoming a great teacher and coach involves the learning on your own part, and that takes a lot of time. Learning this game takes a lot of time. You, were, you and I were talking about this, how even now, 
It's still about learning the game. So you started by serving in a number of roles at Columbus High School, right? Just getting into the game. So as you look back at that time, what would you say was your quote unquote major in what you were studying and and maybe something that was a minor for you as well? To me, and I, and I think Keith guys get, people get it all mixed up and, and coaches do too. I think a coach is a teacher and a teacher is a coach. I think it's one and in the same. I get people ask me all the time, you know, I, I was a high school teacher and coach for 16 years. And they ask me now, now that I'm going into my 15th year in college, they ask me, hey, do you ever, do you miss teaching? I said, what do you mean? I said, yeah, do you miss being in the classroom? Do you miss being around the kids? I said, heck, that's what I do every day. And I think shame on us when we, when we think it's different. Shame on us when we think that being a coach is higher than being a teacher or different because I think it's one and the same. And to me, it's, I get fired up and I get in, inspired by new things that I, that I learn. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I continue to thirst for that on a daily basis, you know, and whether it's learning something about history or government or football, I'm still going out there finding that knowledge, you know? Yeah, definitely. And you, you mentioned some of your mentors in the game, especially early on. Looking back at that time, what are some of the things that really stick out that those guys were instrumental in teaching you that you really feel is, is part of who you are as a coach today? You know what? Instilling belief in young men. My coaches instilled belief in me. For, for me, they believed in me, and then I thus ended up believing in myself. And and I think that that's something that I get these six foot five, 315 pound guys. And we think because they're big and they're powerful and all this stuff and they can run fast, that they have confidence, that they have belief in themselves. And a lot of them don't. A lot of them don't. So it's at the end of the day, that's still what you want to do as a coach, as a coach or as a teacher. You want to find a way to get these guys to believe in themselves and believe in their abilities and believe in what they can become and so at the end of the day that's still what drives me is to help a zion nelson is to help a john campbell is to help a jakai clark or justice olawazoon these are all guys that play for me is to get them to believe in themselves you know to get them to believe in the technique the fundamentals the footwork that we're teaching and when you see a guy get that aha moment aha i got it that to me is what fires me up that's what inspires me that's what continues to get me up every day definitely in the fun part of this is eventually we know enough about this that we can teach the game and pass that on to others and recently you had the opportunity to speak at the cool clinic and now you know people are looking for your knowledge for you what are the things that you would say i could be a professor in this this is what i feel most comfortable about and we do well and people ask me about all the time First of all, I think it's our job as coaches. And I think as coaches, sometimes, you know, I can't share. I, I think that's a bunch of BS. I think it's our job as coaches, especially offensive line coaches, it's our job to always pay it forward. It's always our job to pay it forward and to make the profession better. I think that's our job. Why are you going to go away from this earth with all of your knowledge? I mean, to me, that's selfish. That's where I think the offensive line coaching profession and I think why that, that cool clinic and stuff like that is so awesome is because we share, you know, we share and and we're working to better our profession. You know what I'm saying? And that's what's awesome about it. And I think that's our job. So in terms of the stuff you feel most comfortable teaching, the stuff you get asked about all the time, what are those things for you? The wide zone stuff, 
We do a lot of gallop techniques. You know, when do you use the gallop? Why are you using the gallop? You know, how to use it? We do a lot of double under with our hand placement that we use, like stuff like that. So I always, the most common question I get is about the double under. I get questions about the gallop. And then I get the question about, hey, what are your footwork, your landmarks and stuff like that on the wide zone? So those are the most common questions that we get. And I always make sure to tell people that I'm not saying that what we're doing is right. I'm just saying that what we do works for us. So to me, that's the most important thing. Wide zone was something I really uh, learned to love and, and spent a lot of time studying that. And then came across the stuff it's actually while I was at Baldwin Wallace, my offensive line coach brought some of it back from the cool clinic and started talking about the the double under and those are things we went to. For you, what was the transition? Why did the double under make sense? You know what? It was something that I got from watching the cool clinic from Jim McNally and Bill Callahan and those guys. And I think Keith, what my whole thing is, you know, as a coach, you know, you always constantly hear guys yelling, hey, get your hands inside. Hey, get your hands inside. And I always think to myself, well, why don't you teach them? Teach them to get their hands inside. Mm-hmm. How are they going to get their hands inside? It's just not, just doesn't happen. You can't yell stuff. You can't yell stuff into becoming <laughs> a technique or a fundamental. You, you better be able to teach it. You better be able to, to coach it. I tell recruits all the time. I tell recruits all the time, and I, I say, hey, listen, if you should ask your coach. Ask your coach. Ask, ask these college coaches when you go to them. Ask them, hey, tell me how you do it. How do you do it? You know, show me how to do it. I think that's, that's the most important thing. So to me, it, it, it just made a lot of sense, right? It made a lot of sense that, you know, defense alignment, they shoot their hands out, right? So if you shoot your hands out as an offense alignment, then you're constantly going to have to be refitting your hands, mm-hmm. you know? So I just – I thought it made a lot of sense. D linemen shoot their hands out. We bring our hands under. So it's it's hands under hands, you know, and then the leverage is the leverage. How do you define leverage? Well, we define leverage at the University of Miami and Callahan and McNally, taken from them, is getting my hands under your hands. Mm-hmm. So it, it just made a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense when you when you watch the double under. It makes sense in terms of it relates a lot to what you do in the weight room in terms of triple extension squats in terms of, of power cleans and stuff like that. So there's a lot of drill transfer as well. And then I know they used to call it the brace or the bracket. You know, when you're in that double under position, when you have both hands underneath, it's, it's one of the strongest forms of the human mm-hmm. body, mm-hmm. strongest shapes, I should say. So it just made a lot of sense to me. So I started, and then, you know, I always, people always said, well, yeah, you coach, you can use it in college because your guys are strong. I said, oh yeah, true. But I used it when we were in high school, you know, so the tail end of my high school coaching the last five, six years, we were, we were implementing the double under technique. So we did it. And then, you know, now when we go wide zone, we, we use the single under, you know, so we've mm-hmm. kind of, there's times where we don't use a double under, but there's times, you know, we'll use the right. double under on our inside zone. We'll use our double unders on our double teams on gap scheme. If I have a D lineman that's aligned heavy on me. So just all these things, you know, that made sense to me when I was listening to Coach McNally, when I was listening to Callahan back in the day when they were talking about it. And I thought it made a lot of sense. And, you know, that's one thing as a coach I've never been afraid. I've never been afraid to tinker. I've never been afraid to try a better way. You know, I've never thought that I've had the answer to everything. I'm always looking to how can I tweak things? How can I make things better? How can I say things better? So it's, it's something that's really been a major part of how we coach at the University of Miami, how, how we coached at Oregon, of how I did it at Marshall University. So it's a question that people ask me a lot about the double under. What I really liked about it as I learned it and, and fortunately was able to connect with 
Scott Peters and learned it right. directly from Scott was the idea of how that also helps engage the hips. We hear coaches mm-hmm. yell that, you know, Scott would bring that up all the time. You can't just yell it into them, right? The coaching point certainly is use your hips. But again, as you said, how, and I feel like the, the double under and, and how everything just connects with the hands and the hips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and credit to those guys, man. Credit, credit to Callahan and credit to Coach McNally and stuff like that. That just because it's things that always been done a certain way doesn't mean that that's how you have mm-hmm. to continue to do it, you know. And I've always believed that, and I've always believed that. So credit to them. And we use because of that stuff, you know. We use people say, "Hey, why do you use med balls?" So we use med balls because the med balls are better than shields, in my opinion, because of it for us, because we use double under. If we didn't, if we were an offensive line that, that believed in shooting our hands straight out, then we would use shields, you know? So I just think that things all have to tie in together, you know? So the equipment that we use is a reflection of the techniques that we use. You know what I'm saying? I do. I often see you guys, Keith, they're using med balls, but they're shooting their hands straight out. I'm like wondering, well, that's not the purpose of the med ball, you know? So it's about tying everything together and you know, what Scott, what Coach Peters says about, and I know he's with the Cleveland Browns now, right? With yes. Coach Callahan and with the hips and stuff like that. I'll, I'll often tell my guys, hey, drive your hips through your hands, you know, so drive your hips through the ball, drive your hips through the net ball. So we're constantly talking about how to come out of our, out of our hips and stuff like that as well, you know? Definitely. How has, if any, how has it changed the way that you use sleds or do you use sleds? You know what? It's a great question. I'm not a big sled guy. Now I do. We, we hit the hell out of the Crowther sled now. Mm-hmm. We hit the heck out of the Crowther sled. I know Crowther sled has been around since I think Coach Wiley said like 1932 or something like that. And it's never changed. The sled's never changed. And so we do use the heck out of the Crowther sled. Um, I'm not a big five-man sled guy. I just don't. I believe in trying to block as much body on body as we can. Do we use med balls? Yeah, we use med balls just so we don't beat the hell out of their hands all the time. Mm. But at the end of the day, football's about blocking bodies. So we try to do as much body on body as we can. But we do, like right now, our old linemen, I can't be with them, but I prescribe them three times a week. They're on the Crowther sled. And we use the Crowther sled during the season. So that's the sled that we use the most. And from a step standpoint, from a strike standpoint, from a base and drive standpoint, I still think it's a great sled. And what we do is, Keith, we have two different types of double teams that we use, right? We, we use a double team where the covered guy is crowthering and the uncovered guy is angle drive. And then we have another double team where the covered guy is using a double under technique and the uncovered guy is using a gallop. Okay, so we call it crowther angle drive and then the other double teams a double under gallop, right? Mm-hmm. So I believe, I believe that all double teams are not the same. Okay, that's just a belief and a philosophy that I kind of have evolved to over time. I think whether it's, it's zone, inside zone, or whether your gap scheme, dependent on where the D lineman is aligned on you, that determines whether you're going to use a Crowther angle drive or whether you use a double under gallop. You with me? Yep. So I have to teach the base fundamentals of a Crowther technique. 
And then I teach the base fundamentals of an angle drive and then we the double under and the gallop. And my job as a coach is to teach them when to use what double team. Right. And to the point when they're out there on their own, you know, and it's weapons free and they're out there on their own, they know what double team to use. That's something that, you know, we can run inside zone and on the first play that we run inside zone, they might use a Crowther angle drive, but the next time we run inside zone on the very next play, if the D linemen's aligned differently, we're going to go double under gallop. Mm-hmm. And these are things that we've kind of evolved to over a period of time. And then, okay, as a coach is, hey, when, when do I use what? When do I use which one? Guess what? That's teaching. Yes. That's what you're teaching. That's where you're teaching them, okay, hey, so when, when we get a loose three technique, we want to go Crowther angle drive. When we get a heavy three, we want to go double under gallop. Okay, well, you better define from what you define as a loose three. You better define from what you define as a heavy three. So, again, to me, that's teaching. That's coaching. That's what you do. You know, that's how we do it. Yeah, I love the point you bring up there. And, and when you look at all the things, like sometimes – and I can think back to early in my career as you're learning this game, um, you get caught up in, well, I'm going to teach them this and then I'm going to teach them that. And you do a lot of things out of the context of the game and what it's going to look like in the game. And ultimately, you know, the technique is there, but you pointed out, you have to teach these guys to make the decisions on, you know, the steps they're going to take their, you know, where their hand placement is going to be, you know, why all, all within the different scenarios that happen within a play that it's actually not just about, okay, this is the technique, but right. teaching them the, the decision-making part of it as well. I mean, that's where you really get into the fine points of the game and you want to set players up for success. You're training that as well. No, no doubt. And, and, and that all starts, Keith, it starts in the meeting room, right? That decision-making, you, you said it great, you know, the decision-making, that doesn't start on the field that starts in the meeting room you know it starts in the meeting room starts to watch it when you're watching film and you know so guys will grab me the miami old i haven't done it yet because we haven't gotten there yet but like so we'll play we'll play game one against bethune cookman and then we've got southern miss game two so on sunday after we play bethune we'll walk out to the field and as we're walking out to the field okay they should start asking me hey coach is this going to be a big double under Gallup game, or is this going to be a big uh, Crowder angle drive game, mm-hmm. and and just stuff like that, boom. And I, and at the end of the day, that's what our job is. You know, we're playing Ohio State last year, and so Sunday as we're walking out to practice of Ohio State week, hey boys, we're going to jump the hell out of them now. It's going to be jump set city now, and 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 that's and that's teaching to me. That's teaching. That's coaching, and that's your job. It can't be. Hey, we're always going to do it this way. It can't. Right. There's an art to teaching there's an art to coaching there's an art to playing and that's our job you know it's it's not it's it's not scientific now you know there is science involved to it that when that science comes to life that's the art of it you know and that's that's what our job is as coaches is to teach them teach them when when to do what and and why to do it you know and and to me that's that everyday stuff, you know, that, you know, coach, are we going to be able to, to gallop these guys? No, man. Hey, listen, this is going to be a, a Crowder angle drive game, you know? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes if you got a real giant three technique and he's playing a heavy three and typically you're going to go double under gallop, that might be a week where you say, listen, I, I understand our, our deal. You, you got to angle drive this big joker, you know? So, and again, because then the personnel comes in. What's the personnel that you're you're facing? You know, I just think sometimes as coaches we get 
we're set in our ways. We're always going to do it this way. But I think that that's, that's not, that's not, that should not be the way it's done. Right. Absolutely. And, and it does go back to, you know, learning the game and learning all the, the nuances of things. And we were talking about professional development, a little bit of, about how that's changed over time, certainly in the last yeah. couple of years, but um, we're still learning an immense amount of knowledge. So, you know, looking at how you like to learn the game and maybe how this has evolved for you, what tips do you have for coaches trying to, especially early on, just learn all of this stuff? First of all, don't try to learn all of it at one time. You know, don't try to drink from the fire hose. And don't try to, every, every time you go to a clinic or every time you you hear me talk or you hear you talk, Keith, or you hear Coach Wiley talk or Coach Alexander, I mean, don't change your complete belief system. Pick something up. Even if you just pick up a, a, a word or a better way to say something or a better way to, to talk about something, that's okay. You know, I think sometimes guys, they try to pick up everything and and in and, and, and the process learn nothing. This is something that's, you know, it, it, this has been a 30, 35 year trek for me. And, and it's every year I just learn a little bit more. You know, I don't think you can try to learn everything. I don't think you can try to do everything. And you got to believe in something. Mm-hmm. You got to believe in something and whatever you believe in, you, you got to, most importantly, you got to make your players believe in it. Definitely. If you believe in it and they believe in it, then that makes it the right way for us. But that doesn't mean it's the right way for the University of Texas, it doesn't mean it's the right way for the University of Nebraska. It means it's the right way for us at the University of Miami. You know, and then the techniques and the fundamentals, Keith, that you implement need to align with the offense that you're calling, needs to align with what your division of your offensive coordinator. So there are certain things that we do from a double team standpoint on inside zone that we do it because of where our running back is running the football. Mm Mm-hmm you know, what, what his aiming point is. Our inside zone is more of a downhill path, more at the, at the butt of the center, backside leg of the center. So that shapes the techniques and the fundamentals that we use up front, right? If we, if we were running inside zone and it was going to go to the play side, to the inside foot of the play side guard, right? Then our technique and our fundamentals up front will be different to match it. And I think that's stuff that I've kind of learned over time. You know what I'm saying? And that's what, you know, what we do makes it is, is right for us because it matches up with what our offensive coordinator wants, the vision of the offense that our head football coach wants. And that's our job as offensive line coach. My job is not to suggest plays. You know, I'm not, not there to suggest, hey, let's run power. Hey, let's run this. Yeah, there's times during the week where that's my job, but that's not my job on game day. It's not my job at practice. If I was in a run-and-shoot offense, I'm going to coach the hell out of pass protection. If I'm we're in a power-based offense, and that's what I'm going to coach. And I think that's where... I've always, Keith, I've always wanted, and get back to a question you asked earlier, I've always been focused on trying to be the best offensive line coach I could possibly be. I wasn't trying to be a head coach. I wasn't trying to be an offensive coordinator. I wasn't trying to be the D-line coach. I've always just, I've got lost in my work. And I think too many times in, in today's day and age of college football, professional football, everybody's so busy trying to get ahead trying to get that promotion, trying to get that next job, that they don't do the job that they currently have to the best of their abilities. I never wanted to be a college coach. I was fine just being a high school coach. I was fine just being an offensive line coach in, in high school, but I was going to, I had determined that I was going to try to be the best damn offensive line, high school offensive line coach I could be. And that's it. 
and that's it. And and it was the same, you know, when when I was at FIU with Coach Cristobal, and in my first three years, I was going to try to be the best tight ends coach I could be. And then when I became the the old line coach, then you know when I was the tight end coach, I wasn't giving tips and suggestions to the old line coach. That wasn't my field to, to plow, you know. That wasn't my field to plow. My field to plow was 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 this. And I think too many guys, you know, are coaching old line and they're worried about stuff that has nothing to do with O-line, you know, because they're worried about, you know, becoming an offensive coordinator or becoming a head coach. And I think you you need to get lost in your work. Yeah. If you are willing to get lost in your work, then you're going to know what you need to learn and you're going to know how to seek that knowledge and, and, and all that other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And to this day, that's still, I'm 52 years old. And my goal is to be the best offensive line coach I could be to help the University of Miami. And that was my goal last year at, at Oregon was not to go and, and hope to be in the NFL or because I think if you do a great job where you're at, then all that other stuff will take care of itself eventually. Definitely. It's one of those things like you just keep focused on what you're doing and become the best. And at, at some point you'll look up and you say, wow, look, look at how far this has come for me. Right. It, it, it certainly to have those, those goals or aspirations are fine, but those mm-hmm. those aren't the goals aren't going to be what gets you there. Actually, it's going to be the things, the habits you develop along the way to be a great teacher and a coach. And, and no doubt, amen, amen to that. There's no, there's no doubt to that, and I firmly believe it. I firmly believe it, and 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 especially offensive line guys. You know, offensive line guys. You just talked about it. You know, Jim McNally, and you talked about you know, Bob Wiley and Paul Alexander and Bill Callahan and Alex Gibbs and those guys there, those guys there were offensive line coaches, correct? But but they were elite and borderline geniuses because they, that became their whole existence. You know what I'm saying? That's what they were worried about. They weren't worried about going to call plays. They weren't worried about going to become a head coach. If that came great, but it didn't for some of those guys. Mm-hmm. Right. I know it did for Coach Callahan, but it did it for some of those guys. And in the process, they became great. You know, yep. they became great. And I think that's that's always where I've been. I would rather be the next Alex Gibbs than the next McVeigh. That's just me being honest, because I I, I think Alex Gibbs, a guy who, who's trend, who changed the way the game of football is played. And uh, he was never a head coach. But he was a guy who completely jumped in on his position and his teachings and his philosophies and his, you know, mindset. And, and God, he transcended the game of football. Well, that's the end of part one with Coach Mirabal. And tomorrow he's going to share some of his mindset and his approach to coaching. We'll get into some of the details of what he thinks about in putting together a practice. There's much more to come. If you're interested in learning the Gallup technique that he mentioned, I'll put a link to his course from the Cool Clinic in the show notes. Be sure to check that one out. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski and follow all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com.